0: The Red Eye with Alan Quinlan and Neve Briggs. Nobody knows monster rugby better.
1: Welcome along to the first episode of the Red Eye, our brand new podcast on everything monster rugby. I'm Alan Quinlan, and joining me every week will be a monster legend, Grand Slam winner, and a proud Waterford woman, Neve Briggs. How are you, Neve?
0: Hi, Quinny. How are you?
1: Are you looking forward to having these chats and all monster rugby?
0: Yeah, I'm excited. I think. Uh... There's always lots to debate, especially when we're chatting together. <laughs> yeah, we're, put,
1: we're putting ourselves in a precarious position, though, that uh, we're both Munster people, and uh, if it's not all positive, we're in trouble. But we'll try and, uh, you know, what this podcast is all about is, you know, we're going to be looking at everything to do with Munster rugby. We'll be analysing all the games. Um, some big-name guests, of course, we, we need to get their opinions and what's going on in the women's game, of course, at underage and club level, but mainly we'll be talking about what you're seeing in Tolman Park and on your TV screens every week. So we're hoping to get feedback and your thoughts on what's happening in Munster. Uh, you can tweet us at rugby channel 15 on Twitter or check out the rugby channel on social media. So get involved if you can, and please subscribe to the podcast, just search for the red eye and you get the podcast straight to your phone every week. So that's the, the little intro over with uh, Niamh. Um, have you been busy and what's been happening for you in the last while? I know that the, the um, you've been involved with the Munster senior women's team and they won the Inter-Pros, but uh the Irish stuff must have been really disappointing as well for the women's game.
0: Yeah, hugely. I think my season probably started back in April or May, I think when we started preseason with Munster and it's brilliant to have it back because we've we missed it when, you know, the 18, 20 months that it was gone with COVID. So from that perspective, I think everybody was just so excited and energized by the break. And so, yeah, look, it's been incredibly busy over the last few months, obviously a brilliant summer with Munster. I learned a huge amount and it was great to see those girls win. I didn't think you could get a buzz uh, from, you know, not playing anymore, but um, I definitely got it on the sideline for that campaign. And then, yeah, look, the the Irish thing was incredibly disappointing. I think just because you know how good that group are, and just things didn't work out for them. Um, but we didn't really have too much time to rest on it because straight back into club, and it's been a busy few weeks for
1: us. Throughout the season, obviously, we'll talk about what you think should and shouldn't change, and how we can help the women's game more. But um, like everyone has been speaking about the last few weeks, but it's nice for the the Monster Women now. They're going to be honoured just before the Monster Connect game in in the URC game on Saturday?
0: Yeah, look, it's huge. I think it's a great buzz for the girls. I think they they probably, they deserve it 100%, but they, they've probably missed it, you know, a huge amount over the last couple of seasons, you know, to be able to get to represent Munster is a huge, huge honour and they only get to do it for maybe three to five games a year um, the way the season is structured. So uh, I hope um, as they get presented at halftime, people get behind them and um, give them a big, Munster Roar because um, they were fantastic over there the the whole summer program.
1: Yeah, and of course the seventy-five percent capacity at that that game on Saturday against Connacht. We'll talk more about the looking ahead to that game in a little bit, but your assessments and obviously I'll give my opinion on this as well, but I you know, Munster so far, three games, maximum points. Um, you know, started off well against the Sharks, good good win there. Finished with that brilliant Simon Zebo try, and the prodigal son had returned. He he opened his account in Thomond Park as well with it. the first try. Um, poor first time, half against the Stormers, and then you know they finished strong with direct kind of forward play and scored four tries in the second half. But Sunday was that was uh, something special, really. Um, you know, I, I genuinely, and like many other people, and. We can't be given out for this, I don't think, because um, outside of the monster camp, I think most people thought that that would be really difficult. Johan van Graan made 11 changes to to his monster side. Um, it was an inexperienced side, a lot of young players, but unbelievably after that game, there was this sense of maybe it's a game changer for a lot of these young players, and maybe the perception and maybe some of the criticism or negativity around this monster team Things are starting to happen. I know it's very early days, and Scarlets were dreadful. To be fair, but Munster made them look dreadful. So we can't take anything away. That was a an unbelievable performance on Sunday, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, hugely. I think <clears throat> I was working for the game forty, and I was coming back down car afterwards, and I was like genuinely buzzing because it was so good to see an expansive game of rugby. But it wasn't even that. It was just how clever they were about certain things. They were able to. Control the game and the tempo, and their skill level and their ability to run lines and angles just put scarlets on the back foot all the time. But not even that, I think their line speed was incredible, um, and it put scarlets under a huge amount of pressure. And like you know, on paper that should have been a, a scarlets victory. You know, stacked with internationals and and lines players returning. Um, but to be able to, I think it was almost like youthful exuberance. They just went out and, and were almost able to play the way they wanted. I, I, I don't really know how to explain it, but I just 100% agree with you. I think it is a game changer. And I think we saw snippets of it over the first two games. You mentioned that last try by Zemo, Zemo against, against the Sharks. I think when you look back on that and the handling, the small pop passes, the running onto the ball, um, we hadn't really seen that before and, and, you know, I want our ability to get the ball to the edge. I think mean, that's been something that probably was missing over the last couple of seasons. So, um, I, I think it's been brilliant. I think it's been a brilliant start. And I think psychologically going back into training on Monday, if you're a young player, you realize, Oh my God, I'm going to get opportunities when I do get opportunities and I, I, I can go and take them because I've done really well and on, 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 you know, on the match on Sunday. But also if you're a senior player, you're thinking over your shoulder, God, these lads, you know, they're incredibly good. They were able to put in a huge performance. So it's pushing them on as well. So that competition within the squad will only be a huge driver for Munster going forward. I think
1: when we both say we're surprised and we mean that respectfully, I think that, and I think we get a pass for being surprised because, um, these young players, um, just just brought a performance and an attitude, as you said, and I think um, no baggage. And I think it was probably a really shrewd move, move by, by Johan van Graan. You're damned if you do and damned if you don't. You've got to manage your squad. And I listened to Johan before the game saying that he was really looking forward to this opportunity. And we do hear coaches saying that at times. And um, sometimes you think it's a message that, look, we, we have to rest players and we have a busy block coming up. But... Uh, and we have to give these guys game time. But you kind of sense that he really did believe that these young players are knocking at his door week on week and that they have quality and talent. And I think what that did on Sunday is for anybody watching, it, it enthused them. Um, like you say, you're going, going back in the car and you have this feel-good factor. Um, we're both Munster people. uh diehard monster people and we want them to do well we've probably put ourselves in a position of being critical at times over the years airing some of our frustrations which is not always easy because I always say to people you know when you're you're talking about your home team that you want them to do well there's no enjoyment in being critical Um, sometimes you get accused of trying to do it for for just to, to make headlines and stuff like that but nothing would please me more than to see this team winning and fulfilling their potential I think there is some frustrations, and there has been in performances in the last couple of years. Essentially, at the end of the season, you know, when they get to those cup semi finals or finals or the, the latter stages of Europe, so there is some genuine uh, reasons for criticism. But I just felt on Sunday that that the likes of Thomas Ahern showed that he's able to play at this level. You know, I've always spoken about him in the last couple of years. I think he has the potential to go on and be a top-class international and maybe be, even be a British and Irish line. Finneen Witcherly, I just thought he showed a presence, an aggression, an attitude and a discipline. He was disciplined because there's some similarities probably to the way I played where you're trying to be in that fight and you're really aggressive and that's natural for him but I think his discipline was really good. And I just, I just loved that attitude. They weren't being pushed back. There was moments in that game on Sunday that it wasn't necessarily just scoring the tries and and racking up the scoreboard. It was the way they defended, the way they defended malls, their accuracy at the breakdown. And they were the things that kind of don't jump out at you when you see line breaks and things like that. I just thought that there was a real detail around their breakdown and the way they defended the Scarlets and, they didn't get bullied around the place. You look at their number eight, Calamifomi, uh, the Tongan international, really powerful, gets across the game line. He was smashed back every time by, by these guys, Jack O'Sullivan, his try, Chris Clote. So I think it, uh, like you said, I think Monday morning, even the, the journey home of the plane, that, and for the monster, more experienced guys who are watching at home, um, that just gives everyone a lift. And I think everybody watching that game. So, now they've got to back it up and, and try and get some consistency. Obviously, we'll, we'll talk about RG Snyman in a minute. I just want to go back to Simon Zeebo. You mentioned him, and maybe there's a question mark sometimes around that bit of natural flair and X-factor stuff. He brings that. That first try in Tom and mark against the Sharks, the reaction, we were both there. It was just like the prodigal son has returned, and this guy can give you, even though it was you know, it was a fortuitous uh, pickup, length of the field stuff, but... People want to see that excitement again, don't they, from Zebo?
0: Yeah, hugely, I think. And it, it was hilarious to watch in terms of um, he wasn't even near the ball at times and the chants were going out from the crowd of Zeebo, Zeebo, and sure he was slapping it up and he was loving it. And yeah, look, I, th- I think it was a very shrewd move by Munster to bring him back. I thought it was very intelligent in terms of um, bringing that field goal factor back into the sport, especially after the year or two, you know, that they weren't in the stands. And, um, and obviously performances at times weren't at the level that probably Munster hold themselves account to. So um, you could just see the minute he ran out, the energy that was... And, and I wouldn't even mind, I think there was only twelve or 13,000 in, in Thawne Park for that evening. And um, it felt like a full Thawne Park when he got the ball. Um, and, and that's what he does. And I think you look at the young players, <clears throat> like the Shane Daly... Calvin Nash especially I really feel like it's going to be a big year for him I thought he was exceptional the other day I think you know they're going to learn a huge amount from him because they both have the ability to have flair and they both have this you know ability to have a little bit of x-factor their footwork is incredible their speed over the ground is very good so he can bring that out of players and and I think the more that we get to see him play the more that he plays with the likes of Joey Carberry and Ben Healy, we we'll get to see more off-the-cuff stuff as well because he draws that out of people because he sees things differently. And I think you always need that when you're in a rugby squad. But I think it was brilliant. I just think the energy off the crowd and the the try celebration, the Z coming out of it, it was it was super. But um yeah, look, I think it was it's brilliant for him and brilliant for Munster to have him back.
1: And it was a real reminder, wasn't it? That that last try. Um, and I thought the handling and the passing was exceptional. You mentioned it, but there was a lovely little death kick from Dan Goggin and then Zebo finishes it off. It was just a lovely moment for him. I played with Zebo towards the end of my career, Simon Zebo. And uh, I just think he does bring, he brings something different. Um, it's a laid back sen- attitude sometimes, but it's, it's great to see that I think in a very structured modern day rugby scenario that we have. And as I hope and I believe that he will bring that bit of excitement and maybe put a smile on people's faces because um, he's a very laid back sort of person. So that was, you know, they scored six tries there, five tries then against the Stormers. We have to address the elephant in the room and that's the first half performance. I think they know themselves to be fair. The Stormers were brilliant, their execution, their attack. And I would, I would suspect that when Munster looked back in that, and even if it's not said, well, certainly if I watched it, I would have been, and I did commentary on the game, I was in awe of the handling skills, the passing, the execution, just the timing of pass and trying to keep the ball alive. Um, they were very, very impressive in that first half, the Stormers. But there was something, there was an energy or an aggression missing from Munster, wasn't there? Maybe, maybe they expected it to happen, but um, they just yeah, allowed the Stormers play a lot, a lot as well.
0: To be fair, I think it's really difficult to to try and play rugby when you don't have the ball for twenty odd, thirty. I think it was like thirty two minutes. I think before they put any phases together. So, from that aspect, you know, I think it's really difficult to try and get yourself into the game when you're tackling, getting back up in the defensive line, tackling, getting back up in the defensive line takes a huge amount of energy out of you. I think for Munster, you've got to you come away from that game. You know, thinking that you're in a really good place because you've withstood this huge barrage of, of possession, and I couldn't, I couldn't get over that game myself. how physically big the Stormers were. The wingers were bigger, were big, almost as big or bigger than our back rows. Like they were absolutely huge. And when that, you know, if you can manage your way around that and come through it, I think two pivotal moments for me the peter O'Mahony save under the posts that was outrageous and, and he he
1: deserves a mention for those two games i thought peter O'Mahony he was excellent was exceptional and yeah. sometimes when you're an irish international former british and irish Lions captain um, you've got to re-motivate yourself and get going again and 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 there's a pressure and expectation to deliver and i just thought those first couple of games line out wise breakdown and and that was a pivotal moment wasn't it yeah hugely me, you move on a couple ten minutes later, and Jack was scoring. Scoring, or Jack O'Donnell who was scoring at the other end,
0: and you're going into time. Total different conversation for me. Um,
1: so, did you feel they would turn it around? Though? Yeah, I did. I thought I thought Summers when
0: when Jack got the try, you could almost see the deflation under the posts. I don't know if you noticed, but they looked out in their feet. There was fellas on their hands and knees, fellas up in the air, um, trying to get as much into their lungs as possible. And, and I think it just. They probably went in thinking we've just played all the rugby and we're only one score ahead. Um so yeah, look, I thought I thought the second half was brilliant. And I know I just thought it was a really strange kind of narrative after the game that there were just four like forward tries. Like if I'm playing a game of rugby and I know you probably love it because you are a forward, but you don't really care how you win, especially in these big games. You just care that you win and you win so well convincingly after after being under such pressure. And I thought, if something's working, why change it? So Munster's ability to take Stormers on up front throughout that second half was working. So why would you change it? And like, we both know at the end of the day, it's a results-driven business and we've got to try and win as much as possible. And
1: Is the a bit um, unfair that we're looking for flair and we're looking for more I think time. it can be. And I think... There's, there's, there's more emphasis on what... Stephen Larkin is doing, is that because of the end result in the last couple of seasons where Munster haven't won a trophy and maybe in a couple of games they've probably kicked a little bit much or they've struggled to chase a game if, be, if they've been behind? Is it a little bit unfair or is it realistic? Because we're going to try and get fans' interaction on this podcast and whether you agree with it or not or like it or not, you know, social media can be nasty, but it can also be very informative as to what people are thinking. And, you know, the fans give opinions. We want balanced opinions. We don't want um, opinions that are not backed up by facts, Um, but maybe some, there's probably a, a line there that some of it is unfair and some of it is fair because have the inability to, to really improve the attack and, I think they showed that on Sunday that the the ambition is there, and maybe that last try and what I thought what they tried to do in the Sharks game is move the ball. Some of the accuracy wasn't good, and uh, the mitigation there is it's early season stuff. Um, it's
0: also their first game, yeah, hundred percent. But the I DNA,
1: think- the d- DNA of Monster is forward play, being excellent at the breakdown, scrum, line-out, set piece, all that stuff. So I had no problem leaving the Stormers game thinking, would I love to see four tries? Um, scored by the backs and through loads of phases. Um, Yeah, it'd be nice, but I had no issue because you have to manage your way through games like that and I thought they were really shrewd and intelligent what they did. Um, And Do you think though that there's like,
0: sorry, now do you think that there's like an expectation on the back of obviously, you know, you had a very successful era and, um, you know, incredibly like brilliant team for that time and I was obviously fortunate to be involved in an Irish team that was very successful. But these things can be cyclical and, you know, they come around and, like, for the last couple of years, I think Munster have been trying to bring players through from an academy level that probably um, need more patience in game time and getting one chance and not really playing again. Whereas I kind of feel now that, you know, the squad depth... The the young lads coming through are probably more ready. They're that year or two older. Does yeah, that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I think there the is. comparisons of playing of, of your time can be really difficult. I think for a monster player, and I think if you, I'd like to know anybody's opinion from a playing point of view. Do they feel that? Maybe they do. Well, maybe look,
1: I think there's always pressure. Um, obviously was very lucky to be part of great teams. They got the semifinals, finals, eventually won it and it was probably a consistency in Europe over a 10-12 year period that was was unbelievable. So you expect that to happen every year and they've probably, since that time, once their last won a trophy in 2011, there's there's a baggage that, that unfortunately is is lingering there all the time and I'd love nothing more for them to create their own legacy and win, win European trophies, win uh, the it's kind of hard cyclists, to do, though. Do you, not, it is, do you not realize trophies are hard to win? Trophies are, are hard so to hard win. to
0: win, and I think it's just, very flippant.
1: Yeah, you look at the success Man United had in, in 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 soccer in the UK, and you know they haven't won a a league in in since Ferguson left. And there's always going to be comparisons, comparisons and to to previous teams and success. So that's just part and parcel of sport. I think it's unfair sometimes because. Um, so many teams have got better. The depth across Europe has got better. And and so it's, they're always going to be there. That's always going to be there. And unfortunately, like it or not, until they maybe win a European trophy or, or win the league, that they can shut everybody up. Um, and, and and that's something that they have to, have to carry. But you just feel that there's more depth in the squad there. There's yeah. a lot of young players coming through. And Sunday, even though it was very early, early doors, that enthusiasm, that feeling that some of these players, uh, maybe it's like a crossing of the line, that they can believe in themselves and playing at this level is all about confidence and self-belief. Um, who, do like you, to, who,
0: who stood out for you now? Well, I think day. Ben
1: Healy looked very, very composed. Mm. I think he's passing, he's kicking. Of course, theres you don't get a perfect performance in anything. There was one or two little mistakes and the kick he put out in the full, but... He had a fifty twenty two at one stage, which is, um, you know, his boot is incredible. His ability to kick long range penalties—if he can develop his game and be more assured and and look like he's a real kind of attitude, which you want from your ten—he um, can be a brilliant player and he can he can develop his game. Uh, Jack Crowley, unfortunately, we didn't get to see enough of him when he came on. He didn't—they didn't have a lot of ball at that stage, and but I thought he was brilliant. Jack O'Sullivan, I I love the fact that. You know being a former back row, I just love the lines of running for that first try. His overall ability to defend, um, the energy of Jack O'Sullivan, Alex Kendall, and coming off the bench, John Hodden at his back. Um, Jack O'Donoghue is, is backing up big performance. Jack
0: O'Donoghue, for me, has been one of the most consistent players for Uncert over the last 12 18 months, and, and I can cr- see him taking that O'Mahony following that O'Mahony type of a role where he's become a real leader.
1: Whether the players like it or not, they've got to do it in big games and try and find consistency. And then they get an aura about them and they get a presence and stuff like that. Um, The work rate is second to none from these guys. But it's just sometimes that, you know, Gavin Coombs, CJ Sanders gone. Coombs, what a player. He's a huge future. They can build a lot of big things around him in the match in matches because he's so big and powerful. Guys can run off him. I was really delighted for Chris Clote because he's had an up and down scenario with Munster in the last couple of years, a couple of injuries. What he did on Sunday was um, what he does best when he's on song. And I thought he was brilliant. And it, it's just a depth chart. And these guys are buzzing around the training ground now. And look, you know, the proof will be in the pudding when we go forward and they get their next chance, this group of players, you know, maybe that'll be a way to the Ospreys in two weeks. Can they go back over and deliver that kind of a performance? And get a
0: I thought I think I think when you look at this group of players, especially these young lads, I think you know you can't help but feel like okay we could be onto something here. And I think like for me, I thought Liam Coombs was very well, and I hadn't seen much of him before in terms of obviously on the wing we've seen him, but going to go to play at centre. It's a very difficult position to play if you're not playing it or growing up playing it week in, week out, because there's a huge amount of space that you've got to be able to defend. You've got to be able to connect with both wingers and your 12. It's a lot of responsibility on somebody, you know, and I think like two tries, played yeah, he, AIL. Paid. he played AIL last week. I think yeah. that's really cool as well, that, you know, that young lads are watching this, they're thinking heading into an under 17, 18s kind of uh, youth um, with Munster or some NTS and and they're looking at the likes of Liam, Liam Coombs or Neil Cronin and these guys that are coming playing AIL one week coming out churning out of performance at that yeah,
1: Neil Cronin is someone too who's had a tough time and, yeah. and I thought he performed really well and, and they'll feel part of it because sometimes and I saw it in my own time with Monster sometimes you have guys in the squad who they train and they're bouncing around the place and they're happy enough but do they really believe that they're 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 able to step in and play in a big European game. And is it like throwing them to the wolves when they have to do that? These kind of games is where you build that belief and confidence. Um, Liam Coombs is brilliant. I, you mentioned Calvin Nash as well. We haven't seen a lot of Matt Gallagher. I thought he was really good as well. Dan Goggin is someone who just epitomizes turning up every week. He's physically, he's aggressive, he's full of energy. So right across the board, I think the performances were, but... Another one was, was Stephen Archer, 232nd game. And he won a scrum at one stage against a very strong Scarlet's front row. And he was the one who was awarded. Well, he, the forward pack pushed him off a scrum and they got the penalty, but it was Archer who had that little wry smile. I think it was, it was great because um, whether young or, young or old, I think kind of creating a standard that you've got to bring that every week. And that's something that, Maybe they can learn. And we were lucky. And when I played, without going back too far, there was a kind of a standard created. And look, we lost lots of matches as well. And we lost lots of semifinals. And there was less expectation and pressure. And we spoke about the template and the expectation that's with Munster Rugby. It'll be there forevermore. When this generation of players finishes in 20 years' time, they'll talk about, you know, hopefully they'll be talking about this group that have won some trophies in the next couple of years. Because... They are young and they have that ability to do that. Um, Dermot Barron, what about the line break, the kick through? Jeremy and we can't go through everyone. But I know, really but I,
0: I actually think a couple of things there right, that you mentioned. So for me, so Archer to go out and get those, you know, a tight head, ridiculously consistent for so, so long um, to be able to go in 232 appearances is, like, it's outrageous when you think about professional game, being able to have your body ready for 232 club games. um, Unbelievable. I think Deirma Byron could be a big bolter for, for months of the season. I think not really from a case of that we don't have any depth at hooker. I think Niall Scannell has had a brilliant start to the season and I thought yeah. OB was but brilliant you, but last you want season.
1: That, you want that depth. You want, you want Niall Scannell thinking. And I met Niall Scannell at the edge of the pitch last week. And um, I, one of the, one of the games, I shouldn't have been near anywhere where the players were warming up because I was in the red zone, and I got into trouble for that. So I've got to, I can't do that again when I'm near Thawman Park. But Dermot Byrne is someone that um, I think has it's incredibly had, explosive, really, really, yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. So, but that'll put pressure on Kyle Scandal and it'll 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 and it'll Ob to be fair. St- yeah, and make them stay alert and stuff like that. So, look, overall, it was a good day. I don't think anyone will get carried away with it because um, you got to make sure that you're alert and aware now that the, in Saturday week when they play the Ospreys, the Ospreys will be looking back at the Scarlets game and say, this is what Monster did to Scarlets. We're not going to allow this happen. And my experience of going to Wales, and that's why I was a little bit pessimistic on Sunday because... You look at the team sheet and you look at the Scarlet's team and you think, okay, these guys are British and Irish Lions, they're Welsh Internationals, there's loads of them there and this is an inexperienced Munster side who went there and kind of proved everybody wrong, which was brilliant. But the Scarlet's will make sure that, you know, they're really in the fight early on. And, and and you know, if Munster went over there and and, and the next time with this group of players and won by three points, it'd be just as good a win because I think... Backing it up now and getting more wins on the road. If if these guys are going to be the side that are going to be seen as the the ones that are going to play some of these away games, because you have to manage the minutes and the game time. Look, there's a lot of positives that came out of that. We won't go into all the detail, but I think the big pluses were um, that breakdown detail, some of the attack, Calvin Nash, um, you know, going outside Steph Evans for me with the handoff. You'd be Frustrated if you were a Scarlet's defensive coach or Steph Evans himself. But I just thought the confidence there to give a little skip, go there, put Liam Coombs away. Um, so loads of positives for them. But let's see, they've got to back it up and try and get consistency. The big disappointment and the heartbreak and the blow for everybody. And I think you could, you could sense that, that frustration, that disappointment when RG Snyman um, limps off the field um what a horrendous situation he's played 54 minutes in four appearances since monster signed him so um what what can you say about that it's it's yeah it's i think so first of to all take for the player personally as well yeah i'm just going to say i think first we're of all, all concerned and we're saying oh it's bad for monster but
0: no you got to talk about know, the human element too i think from you know well, from his own perspective. He kind of, he seems to have really bought into the ethos and the culture within around Munster. And I think, you know, you see players, um, even when he scored that try, they are running over to him. You know, I think that for me just epitomized how popular he was within the squad. It's different, you know, the first injury you kind of, like I've been there, jumped from one real serious injury to another within two weeks, similar to, to RG, so first one you're full of enthusiasm for your rehab because you're thinking okay look you've got a carrot to get back and um, you can make your, you know you think okay I'm going to work on things that I'm not so good at and I'm going to come back as a better player but when something so quick you know turns quickly like that you're just staring down the barrel at look and you know what's ahead of you and I think um from that perspective it's a really difficult thing and I think he was just, his face looked so disconsolate walking down the tunnel um, and he kind of knew as a supporter, as a fan that whatever had happened wasn't good and then confirmed as a serious knee injury again and you just got to feel really feel for the guy I think you know, before you even look at it from a monster perspective, you've just got to really feel for for him as a person um, and, and I think we can forget you know, you've spoken a lot of, about mental health and and been a real advocate for that. You can forget that these players are people too. And, you know, um, so, yeah, look, I think, geez, when I was in that position, I, you know, had tore my hamstring off the bone and then come back, tore my Achilles, who was out from the World Cup. Like, there's nothing really that can, anybody can say or do. I think you just got to find a placement in your head to be able to just get out of bed and continue on and start, start a rehab programme. So, yeah, look, I just felt really good for him. And
1: then it's, I'm a sh- sh- it's a shame isn't it because yeah. um you know you mentioned the reaction and and um, from what i hear um he's a guy who's turned up um he's trained unbelievably well and he's been really positive around the squad so i think he just wants to play and fulfill the the hype and the excitement around his initial signing and stuff and maybe repay monster so i really hope um and there's speculation about this, and we, we we have to say it's speculation that Munster want to extend his contract and he wants to extend. Is there a risk in that? Of course. But wouldn't it be a lovely scenario? We're probably not going to see him for the rest of the season. Wouldn't it be a lovely scenario that he was able to extend his contract and that we see a consistent run for RG Snyman? Because deep down. I I would say he's a game changer. He's a game changer in a European Cup semi Phenom- final, phenomenal player, or he's a game changer in in, in a URC semi final or final. I think he's someone that can, and maybe it's unfair to say that, but like this is the reality. He's a freak of nature. He's someone who can just stop a mile a mile on his own, or else break make a line break up the field fifty sixty yards and offload to someone. But, <clears throat> they've got to do without him so it's important I think and we'll we, we move on in a sec from this to absorb the disappointment acknowledge it and I think wish the player well because um, I just hope we have a scenario whether it be in 12 months or 18 months that we're saying isn't it great to see RG Snyman going out week after week playing for Munster hopefully it comes to that and 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 yeah and look I think, I think he does to extend. be
0: fair I've had enough dealings with that Munster medical staff and they're absolutely top class Um they're you know, so they they won't leave any stone unturned, and and I think the frustrating thing for both the player and for them as a, as a squad is that they really managed him very well. Like there was no nobody rushing anybody back, and went through a huge amount of rehab and a lot of training before he even got onto the pitch. So this is just. Like a, probably a real freak accident, I think, and yeah. um, yeah. yeah, and as I, I, I definitely echo your sentiments. Just wish him all the best, and, and hopefully, hopefully we we we'll back. see him out
1: in a Munster yeah. jersey. Just on the depth chart, and we'll probably go through this at different stages yeah. of the season. Um, Tyburn, John Klein, finneen Witcherly, Thomas Ahern, Jason Jenkins—they're your second row options. Then in the in uh, in the academy, you've got Paddy Kelly, Owen O'Connor, and Keen Hurley, who made his debut last year. So there's a lot of good players there. Jason Jenkins kind of was signed as a back row for a year um, maybe to help some of these younger players and bring a bit of physicality he now probably um, is it'll be legit he, they'll be legitimately allowed to use him as a second row because uh, um, I think the idea would have been to try and play him, you know bring him into the back row and 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 bring some more cover and power and strength there so there is a depth chart there that's not bad but look hopefully I Hopefully. think
0: too, I think too, it obviously changed the conversation around Ty Byrne as well. Because I think in our heads when you looked at the likes of RG, it'd been fit and able, Klein, Witcherly, Ahern, that you would have thought, okay, it'll be two of that four that'll start the biggest games in the second row and, and Ty Byrne will probably be pushing for a six and and how you fill the rest of the back row after that is, is that's why Bangrant's getting paid in the big bucks. But I think now that conversation looks like you, you know, we move Byrne into the second row.
1: Um, there's to, lots of options I think yeah. there. and I'm excited with all the young back row players and I hope well, they, yeah. they go on and make a name for themselves particularly Kendall and um, Jack O'Sullivan and and John Hodnett to see them back because the way the game is now you're going to have a lot of rotation week after week Neve, we don't have a lot of time we have loads of stuff and we'll cover loads of things throughout the season but just looking quickly ahead to Connacht, um and briefly I think um, Connacht shipped 50 points in the, in the Rainbow Cup they went up to Ulster had a great win in Ulster they scored some brilliant tries um, they went and played at home against Leinster and shipped 50 points Andy Friend spoke about it being one of the most disappointing performances and, and it was probably for Connacht because I think they've they're probably I heard Andrew Trimble say the other day and off the ball that they're probably everyone's second favourite team, if you're not a Connacht person, obviously, because they just bring a kind of a freedom and, and enjoyment to the game and, and probably have been, at times, respectfully, the poor relations and haven't got all the support and, and backing that they need. So there's a real affiliation. People like watching Connacht and like seeing him doing well. Um, they went to Munster then the week after. And in very simple terms, I think they cost Munster a trophy. that gap of not winning since 2011. I think there was a Rainbow Cup uh, trophy there for Munster and and we kind of expected, well, it'll be difficult, but maybe if if Munster win this game, then they go on and they put themselves in a position to go and get to that Rainbow Cup final and and win it. Um, But Connick went to Solman Park and they changed that narrative and they won and it was an incredible win for them. Um, So... There's a bit of there's there's a template to look at here last year from a monster point of view. Bundi Yaki is back and they'll want to turn things around, won't they, on Saturday?
0: Yeah, hugely. I think to be fair, Connect when they play well, are so good to watch. They play an unbelievable brand of rugby, very exciting. They look to keep the ball alive a huge amount, um, work the edges. And as a spectator, it's it's what you want to see. You want to you want to I think they're just building something really good in terms of their culture. They're, they're on the well. back.
1: they're, Niamh, they're on the back of probably a poor start to get away to Cardiff. A brilliant win against the Bulls, which kind of you sensed ignited them a little bit. And then last week they lose at home to Dragons. So they're coming with a bit of a chip in their shoulders what I'm Com- trying to completely. say. Completely.
0: And I think that, that that's probably been the big thing about them is that while they played this unbelievable brand of rugby, that their consistency is something that they need to iron out and work on. And I think, um, you know... I think two things on that dragons result. Maybe we haven't given dragons and Dean Richards enough kudos because yeah. they they Which disrupted a the huge amount of the the previous week and then to come and beat Connor hundred percent brilliant. And it's it's what the, the composition needs. But on the flip side of that is that there were times that Connor were in positions to go and beat dragons and they couldn't take it. And I think I went up to the munster Connacht game, sports car last year, and that Munster came away with a win. With um, in the last couple of minutes, and that was a big thing coming away from there as well. The Connacht had put themselves into positions to score and win that game. They had a scrum five meters out, and they just had, you know, wrong decisions and chose munster wrong had options. 30,
1: Thirteen minutes. Yeah, yeah, munster and- probably did. Did everything really good for sixty five minutes, and then oh, I know, but I'm just saying, like things there's turned, and, and could have won the game, yeah, yeah. yeah, and that would have been we're talking about game changers. So I think it's just I think a Connacht, finished product at times,
0: yeah. Connacht are not far off it, but it's when you're not on it, like as in if you're just that little bit away, it can look can look way worse than what it is if that makes any sense. And I just do yeah, think that Munster have to be on it, their game.
1: What, what I think you're saying, and I understand, this, you can get this brilliant performance like the Bulls one. And then if they're a little bit of a couple of percent off in their mind around their attitude, aggression, intensity, and, you know, and to be fair, Andy Friend thought maybe they overtrained and were a little bit fatigued. But that little bit of energy makes a big difference at Completely. this level. I think they'll bring a different energy this week. Aki yeah. will lift all the players. They'll know that Munster's a big scalp. That can change their narrative. You know, the difficulty here for Connacht, and Andy Friend spoke about it, and he's, he's right, Um getting into Europe for Connacht is where they need to be in a consistent basis. And the way the league is positioned now with your pools and the top of each pool goes automatically in and there's four places left in a league position. So they've made it difficult for themselves losing two games so far. So this is a must win game for game for them. Um, but I think Munster will be aware of what happened last season and they'll yeah. probably have their own little chip on their shoulder and, uh, Lord to mercy on poor Axel. Um, and he's dead five years on Saturday, which is incredible to think. And I know all the Monster fans and everyone in Irish Rugby will remember him. Um, and it's still hard to believe it. But I always we always have little chats about statements and things he said, and and uh you know, one of the great statements Axel would have said is we're 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 better when we're bitter. Um so <laughs> There's going to be a little bit of bite to this game. And, and, and if Axel was around, that's what he'd be saying if he was a player or a coach, that they're going to bring a real attitude, but we've got to bring one as well. Because essentially, I would say they, they cost Munster a trophy last year. Well, the, the real, arg- the real uh, answer to that is Munster probably cost themselves that game. But if, they, if Munster had won that game, and um, they made a lot of mistakes in it and Connacht were brilliant. If Munster won that, they could have got a trophy. And um, it was there for Connor. You're
0: definitely not holding on to that anyway, are you?
1: <laughs> no, but I'm just saying, if I was a player, I'd be thinking about that. You know, it's no disrespect to either side. Connacht were brilliant in Tolman Park. And I think that's potentially, that's what Andy Friend will be saying to his players. This is what we can do. And this is, we've been here last year. We can win. Um, so that's the intrigue for me. And I think there'll be a bit of bite to this game because there's a bit of a, even though there's obviously rivalry between the provinces, it's grown a little bit between Munster and Connacht. You know, there's some Munster players that are there that played with Munster before. They're going to be involved. And Bundy is back. Hey, we could, could talk and talk and talk. Um, we will have loads of time to do that. As you said, um, if I was getting paid by the word, I'd be a very wealthy man. But um, it's we've got to leave it. So that's us done for week one. We'll be back next week to reflect on the game against Connacht. I've got to say this again, because we want interaction. Do get in touch with your thoughts on the monster performance. Tweet us at Rugby Channel 15 or just search the Rugby Channel and make sure you subscribe to the Red Eye wherever you, get, wherever you get your podcasts. That way we can get that interaction, thoughts from people. So that's it for this week. Take care and thanks a million. Good luck.
0: The Monster Rugby Podcast, Red Eye, with Alan Quinlan and Neve Briggs. Nobody knows Munster Rugby better.